the spectrum idea is based on the idea that once you start to say you can't have something, then immediately you want it. So the spectrum approach really doesn't just focus on behaviors, doesn't just give information, it works at a deeper level. Coming up, Ariane talks with health expert and best-selling author Dr. Dean Ornish, next on Change Nation from the first 30 days. Hi, I'm Ariane, and welcome to Change Nation, a show from the first 30 days. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Dean Ornish about the first 30 days of living healthier and Dean's new book, The Spectrum, a scientific proven program to feel better, live longer, lose weight and gain health. He's the clinical professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. He was appointed to the White House Commission on Complementary and Alternative Medicine Policy, and he was also recognized as one of the most interesting people of 1996 by People magazine. He's also the author of five best-selling books. Dean, it's a real pleasure to welcome you to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Dean, what do you think is the main message that you would like people to get from this latest best-selling book of yours, The Spectrum? Well, it's based on research that we've done for the last 30 years, and along the way, we've really learned what works and what doesn't work to motivate sustainable, lasting changes in what we eat and how we live. And I, what I used to think turned out not to be true. You know, usually people think it's willpower or they think that they have to, you know, use shame or guilt or pressure, but that doesn't work. In the short run, you can do that, but most of the time, people gain it all back. What's sustainable is pleasure and freedom and joy and abundance and ecstasy. That's really what works. And so the spectrum idea is based on the idea that once you start to say you can't have something, then immediately you want it. That goes back to, you know, don't eat the apple, and that didn't work, and that was God talking. And so it's what I've done is I've categorized foods from the most healthful to the least healthful. There's no good and bad foods, but some foods are clearly better for you than others. And it says find your place on the spectrum. And what matters most is your overall way of eating and living. So if you indulge yourself one day, it didn't mean you cheated on your diet or you were a bad person because you had bad food. Just eat healthier the next. In fact, studies show that overall people who eat the healthiest are the ones that allow themselves some indulgences because then there's no thou shalt not, there's no you must, there's no you better or you ought to or whatever. There's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no pressure. It's all about freedom because everything's included. And to the degree you move in the healthier direction on the spectrum overall, you're going to look better, feel better, lose weight, and gain health. But it's not all or nothing. Jim, what do you think is the very first step for people who maybe have tried and they've tried countless diets and they haven't lost weight? Where do they start? They're in the first few days. What do they do? Well, that's, the, that's what this book shows you. I think the, few, the medicine of the future is really personalized medicine, how you can customize a way of eating and living that's just right for you based on your own needs, your own genes, your own preferences. And so the book shows you how to do that. You don't have to wait for the future. It's here today. How to find your place on the nutrition spectrum, the exercise spectrum, the stress management spectrum. And then it shows you how to figure out how much you need to move in the healthy direction and how quickly. But what really sustains this is feeling good. And part of what we've proven in our studies is how dynamic your body is, how quickly you can show improvements, not only in how you feel, but even ones we can measure. Within a very short period of time, your brain actually gets more blood flow. You can actually even grow new brain neurons to the point where your brain can get measurably bigger, uh, things that were thought impossible before. Your skin gets more blood, so you wrinkle less and you have better complexion. Your heart gets more blood flow. We found you can even reverse severe heart disease by making these changes. 
your sexual organs get more blood flow in the same way that Viagra works. And, you know, there's no point in making changes unless you feel like what you gain is more than what you give up. And what happens here is that most people find that they feel so much better so quickly, it reframes the reason for making these changes from, you know, risk factor reduction and prevention, which really don't work, to feeling better. And that's ultimately what makes it sustainable. Dean, I heard you mentioned the three components of the spectrum in your book, nutrition, exercise, and stress. Do you think they are equally balanced? Are they equally as important? Is one more important than the other? No, they're all important. And we've actually shown that in our studies. And part of the reason they're important is that, you know, for example, stress has an effect on every cell, every organ in your body directly. There are direct connections uh, between your brain and every part of your body. But it also has an effect indirectly because, you know, I'd ask people, why do you smoke or overeat or drink too much or work too hard or abuse yourself? These behaviors seem so maladaptive. And they'd say, hey, you don't get it. These are very adaptive because they help us get through the day. And people smoke when they're lonely. They say things like, I've got 20 friends in this pack of cigarettes. They're always there for me and nobody else is. You're going to take away my 20 friends. What are you going to give me? Or they eat things like fat coats my nerves and numbs the pain, or they fill that void with food, or they use alcohol or other drugs to manage the stress and depression and loneliness. And so, or they work too hard or watch too much television or spend too much time on video games. There are lots of ways people have of trying to numb or kill or distract or bypass that pain. But providing information is important, but it's not usually sufficient. If it were, nobody would smoke. Everybody knows it's not good for you. It's on every package of cigarettes. And so the spectrum approach really doesn't just focus on behaviors, doesn't just give information. It works at a deeper level. And when we can give people alternative ways, for example, of managing stress, and there's a a DVD of guided meditations that my wife Anne beautifully done in the book, when we can show people how to do these simple things each day that can make their lives so much more stress-free and to manage stress in much more effective ways, then they can accomplish even more without getting stressed in the process and they can find ways of nourishing and nurturing themselves that are life-enhancing rather than ones that are self-destructive. Talk about the meditations a little more. How, for people who might be nervous about that word or, or what it means or represents, what can they expect to, to feel or, or see differently in their body if they do just go ahead and try it for the first time? Well, meditation is just, I mean, once you take it out of its cultural or religious context, it's just the practice of paying attention, of increasing your awareness. And anytime you can focus on something, it's more pleasurable, it's more fun, whether it's food or sex or music or art or massage or anything sensual. When you really pay attention to it, you enjoy it a lot more fully, and you probably need less of it to get the same or even greater level of pleasure. Like food, for example, I'm sure everyone's had the experience of eating a bag of popcorn while watching a really intense movie, and you suddenly realize the bag of popcorn is empty, and it's like, who ate this? I didn't even, you, know, you didn't even taste it because your awareness was focused on the movie rather than what you're eating. That's kind of eating mindlessly. But you can make eating a form of meditation. You can make making love a form of meditation. You can make listening to music a form of meditation. Because if you really focus on what you're eating, like I like chocolate, for example, and I open the book by talking about how I just had a piece of really high-quality, high-fat dark chocolate, but I can take a small square of dark chocolate and spend several minutes meditating on it, looking at the color, smelling it, allowing it to melt in my mouth, just noticing how the flavors change over time. And then I get a huge amount of pleasure and not very many calories, as opposed to eating mindlessly when I get all the calories and none of the pleasure. So it's not just what you eat, it's also how you eat. Dean, there's so much confusing information out there about good foods, bad foods. 
Just for people listening, are there three that you would add and three that you would ask people to decrease? I know your theory is not to take anything away. Well, it's, even when we call foods good or bad, I think that's part of the problem because it's a very small step to saying, you know, I eat bad food, so I'm a bad person. Even the whole language of food has this moralistic, you know, I cheated on my diet, I'm, I'm guilty because I ate bad food. You know, you might as well go ahead and finish the pint of ice cream once you go down that road. It doesn't, it's not, it's not productive. But as we talked about earlier, some foods are clearly health, more helpful for you than others. And so it's not just what you exclude from your diet that's harmful, but also what you include that's beneficial. And there's at least 100,000 substances that are protective, that, that protect you against, help protect your risk of cancer and heart disease and even slow the aging process. Blueberries, for example, uh, can really make you smarter because of the anthocyanins that are in there. Uh, turmeric, which you find in, in uh, curries, is a powerful anti-inflammatory spice may help prevent Alzheimer's, may be one of the reasons why Alzheimer's is so much lower in Asian countries that eat a lot of turmeric, because it helps to prevent the inflammation, which may underlie some of these illnesses like Alzheimer's, like heart disease, like other illnesses. Chocolate, again, is not only not bad for you in small quantities, it has flavanols that can actually dilate your blood vessels and lower your blood pressure and improve blood flow. So in my book, I outline a whole lot of these different powerful foods that Again, it's not just what you exclude, but also what you add that's beneficial, and that also promotes that sense of abundance rather than deprivation. You know, I want to talk about exercise. I know your motivator is clearly fun and pleasure, and there's so many people who, who don't associate those two things with exercise. How do you create that as a new link for people? Well, first of all, by doing what you enjoy. And so if you're, you know, for me, running was always a punishment when I was growing up in Texas. You know, go take a lap, you know. So running has never been my preferred form of exercise, but I love things that involve rackets, you know, tennis or ping pong or uh, squash or things like that. I love uh, uh, walking. I love making love with my wife. You know, I love uh, uh, going for a walk with friends. I take the stairs instead of the elevator, Um, you know, park a little bit further from wherever you're going, like the gym. Uh, And so little things that you can incorporate into your daily life can make a huge difference because, it turns out that while the more you exercise, the more fit you become, in terms of reducing the risk of premature illness or death, a little goes a long way. And just walking 20 or 30 minutes a day and not even all at once and, and not even all that fast can reduce your risk of premature death by 50%. And more than that doesn't really provide you a lot of additional benefit. It's also useful to add some strength training to it as well as just the aerobic exercise because that can also help you burn fat faster as well as increasing your your bone strength, even your mitochondria, the little energy generators in your cells, you can increase the number and the size of those simply by exercising moderately. Dean, what are your thoughts on people who have either a genetic disposition to disease or or might think that they do? Do you see that more as as a myth, as something that really needs to be explored or what's the reality behind that? It's not a myth. Genetics do affect our risk of disease, but the good news is that it's a predisposition, as you indicated. It's not a death sentence. You know, our genes are not our fate. And part of what we've been able to show in our studies, and others have shown, is that you can actually change how your genes are expressed. So often people say things like, oh, I've just got bad genes. There's not much I can do. You know, this kind of genetic, what I call genetic nihilism. When in fact, there's a lot you can do. So if you're genetically predisposed to something, you might want to move more to the healthier end of the spectrum than someone else might. But also we found that you can actually change how your genes are expressed when you, when you, and you 
spend more time on the healthy end of the nutrition and stress management and exercise spectra that I write about in the book. You can actually turn on the genes that prevent disease and turn off the ones that promote illness. And these are new findings that are capturing people's imagination because they show that you may have a predisposition to illness, but these simple changes that we make in our lives every day, like what we eat and how we respond to stress and how much exercise we get and whether or not we smoke, we're understanding now not only how powerful the effects can be, but some of the mechanisms, the scientific mechanisms by which these changes can actually happen. Dean, the difference between making small gradual changes versus some of the the bigger changes, are you more on the small or the bigger in terms of actually creating a healthier lifestyle? Or I'm in, I'm on the 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 approach that works the best for an individual, and and one size doesn't fit all. Some people say, you know, it's easier to make small gradual changes. You know, walk you know, get a pedometer, walk a 1,000 or 3,000 steps more a day, eat one cookie less a day, and over time those, those changes do add up. Uh, the advantage of that is that they're not that hard to do. The disadvantage is that it takes longer to see the benefits. But the other approach, which is more counterintuitive, also works, and that is to, to say, well, I'm going to make really big changes all at once in a lot of different things. And the reason why that works so well for many people is that you see the benefits so quickly. You feel so much better so quickly that for many people, these become choices worth making, not just to live longer, but to live better. And when you make these changes, you really do, when you make big changes, you see big benefits very quickly. So, but in the book, is really based on the idea of a spectrum. You, you know, it's how fast you want to make those changes and how big you want to make those changes are really up to you. And it just guides you into how much you probably need to, but how much you really want to do is really what matters, because even more than being healthy, people want to feel free and in control, and it's all about preserving that sense of empowering people with information that they can use to make informed and intelligent choices. You know, also, having read your book, I noticed that you collaborated with uh, Oprah Winfrey's personal chef, Art Smith. Yes. How, how is that? How it, it seems like it was an enjoyable experience. Some of those recipes sound absolutely delicious. Well, they are. They are they're all absolutely delicious, actually. And uh, he approached me... Um, I had dinner at a home that he was cooking at, and uh, afterwards he asked me to collaborate with him, and, and I said, sure. Well, actually, initially I said no, because I wasn't writing a book, and that was about three years ago, and then more recently I said, sure, let's do it. And what the, in the book, the recipes also are, are modifiable, so they start with the healthiest version, and then depending where you are on the spectrum, you can add more fat or salt or sugar to suit your taste and your own needs and preferences, but they're all delicious, and you know, this idea, am I going to live longer? Is it just going to seem longer if I eat healthy food? This kind of dispels that very completely and shows, you know, you, you don't have to make those choices. You can eat well and live well. In a couple more questions, the psychology aspect of all of this. If I go ahead and I sign up to the spectrum and I'm very clear, if I still have some pretty negative beliefs about change or about myself or about my self-esteem, how do those impact my, my journey to living healthier? Well, as you might imagine, if, uh, in, in a negative way. And that's why these stress management techniques, these guided meditations, are more than just stress management. You know, the ancient swamis and, for that matter, rabbis and priests and monks and nuns throughout time have found that these approaches are very powerful. But while they are very powerful in terms of managing stress, they're really tools for transformation. They help you quiet down your mind and body enough to experience more of an inner sense of, of peace and joy and well-being and to realize that those techniques didn't bring those feelings of peace and well-being to you, that's our natural state. They're there all the time until we disturb them. And that's a very radically different view of, of this than we learn in our culture. You know, so often we're told, oh, you, 
if you don't feel good, it means you just you need more stuff. You need more money, more power, more beauty, more accomplishment, more whatever. And once you set up that view of the world until you get it, you're stressed. If someone else gets it, then you really feel bad. And even if you get it, it's momentarily very seductive. Ah, I got it. It's mine. But it never lasts. And then we think, oh, I need even more. Now what? Or it's not, it doesn't really provide that lasting sense of meaning. Or, you know, so what? And so when we can quiet down our mind and body and experience that, wait a minute, that's there all the time. So that means I don't have to get it from outside myself. So if I'm feeling stressed or, or, or unhappy, I don't have to blame someone else. I can say, what am I doing that's allowing that inner sense of health, health and happiness to get disturbed? Not as a way of blaming, but as a way of empowering. Because if, if, if it really is coming from outside and we're not getting enough of that, then you know, we're just, we're just you know, doomed. You know, we're, whether it's bad genes or bad fate or bad karma, if it's something external, then we're helpless. But to the degree that I'm saying, wait a minute, if I'm feeling stressed out, it means that I'm allowing that to happen these techniques allow us to, you know, it's one thing to talk about these as concepts and you say, well, maybe that's true or that's too weird or whatever, but we can actually directly experience what it feels like to be more peaceful when we practice these guided meditations and simple techniques. And then we can go out in the world and accomplish even more. It it, it makes your fuse longer. Things don't bother you as much and it helps you uh, be even more productive. But even more importantly, it helps us redefine who we are where our happiness comes from, where our joy comes from, where our sense of meaning comes from. And for many people, they say things like, you know, having a heart attack was the best thing that ever happened to me. You go, what, are you crazy? They say, no, that's what it took to get my attention to begin exploring some of these ideas and to do these practices. And it's made my life so much better that I probably would never have done it if I hadn't gone through that experience. My hope is that by reading the book or by going on your site, people will say, wait a minute, I don't have to wait to get knocked on my butt to be um, interested in trying some of these new approaches because they do completely transform our lives if we allow them to. Absolutely. Dean, one of the ways that we end all our interviews here at the first 30 days is to ask each one of our experts the same three signature questions. Here they are. What do you think is your belief that you go to in times of change? My belief that I go to in times of change? Yes. Is I try to go back to that inner joy, that inner peace, that inner wisdom, Uh, because during times of change, it's very easy to allow that to get disrupted. And by simply practicing some of these simple meditation and guided meditation and yoga and and other practices like that, it can remind me of what I already know that is easy to forget in times of change. Great. Here's the next one. Fill in the sentence. The best thing about change is? Uh, The best thing about change is the opportunity to transform. Beautiful. And what do you think is the best change that you've ever made? Oh, two of them, really. The best change I ever made was marrying my wife, Anne, and having my son, Lucas. Uh, Totally changed my life in ways that nothing else even comes close to. Beautiful. Dean, thank you. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. I'd like to invite everyone to go and read Dean's book, The Spectrum, a scientifically proven program to feel better, live longer, lose weight, gain health. You can get it on the website ornishspectrum.com. And for any other information about Dean and his organization, his wonderful programs, go to Preventive Medicine Research Institute. That is www.pmri.org. And any other interviews on change and some other wonderful experts, please visit us at first30days.com. Thank you. Thanks. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Dean. Bye-bye. Bye. Be well.